Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Driving to the Basket. I am Mike. I'm here with Tommy, as usual, and we are back after a three-month hiatus. It has been quite some time. Uh, we hope all of you have been staying healthy and safe and have been wearing masks. Please wear masks. So uh, we are back uh, after the first big piece of Pistons news since March when the season shut down, and that is the hiring of Troy Weaver. The Pistons had technically been without a general manager since the release of Stan Van Gundy in 2018. Ed Stefanski had been hired as more of an advisor, initially as an advisor, actually, just to aid with the hiring of a coach and a general manager. Uh, he had helped decide upon the hiring of Dwayne Casey as coach and then had had himself appointed more or less to the job of general manager. Nobody exactly knows how it's happened. Uh, yeah. We'd say he's done a decent job. Tommy feels otherwise, or at least that he's been given a little bit more credit than he deserves, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But for now, Troy Weaver, uh, here's a guy who actually had been sought after by several teams, including the Pistons, over the last, uh, I think, four or five years. I believe the Hawks and the Bulls uh, had tried to nab him away from Oklahoma City. The Pistons had tried to hire him in 2018. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, maybe he saw this as a good opportunity. Maybe he was offered a lot of money. Who knows? Uh, he has finally, after a long time, left the Oklahoma City organization uh, where he was around for uh, a great deal of things happening. He was actually the guy who uh, really insisted that they take Russell Westbrook back in whenever that was. Uh, <laughs> it seems like a very long time ago. And he's just been, been viewed for a long time as one of the uh, very capable brain trusts, uh, particularly in the realm of acquisition, identification, and acquisition of young talent. So anyway, let's pass it over to Tommy. Uh, what do you think about this hiring? Yeah, I mean, I, it's been two years in the making. This is a guy that they reportedly wanted in 2018. And I'm really happy that the guy that they did pick, uh, they picked him because of his uh, record in the draft. And it, it shows that the Pistons are now putting uh, more emphasis on the draft. And uh, they seem to realize now that their old strategy wasn't working. They've been throwing around the word rebuild and a lot of other words for rebuild, but not tanking. Um, we will talk about that later. But they picked him for the right reasons, and I, I think they could have done a lot worse. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't like another yes man, it seems like. While they're on the same page as Stefanski, uh, Tom Gores, and Arntellum, I, I think that they're kind of coming around to the idea of maybe not trying to compete for the playoffs in the eighth seed every year. So I'm glad that they picked a guy who they think can lead them through this rebuild. And uh, I like this hire. Yeah, I like it as well. Uh, I'm not uh, super familiar with, of course, who is uh, anybody who's not a part of the business. Of course, nobody's going to be super familiar uh, with all the major uh, personnel, uh, front office personnel of all the organizations. But from all that I've heard, he's very well regarded. Again, as we both said, particularly in the area of drafting and, and drafting, of course, such a, a hugely important part uh, of any team. doesn't matter if you're rebuilding or not. Uh, teams like the Spurs have managed to uh, keep their talent pool relatively full. I mean, that's starting to run out, but we'll see, I guess. Uh, the, this year may very well be the year that they finally miss the playoffs. But it's just so important to draft well, even if you're a good team. you got to keep uh, your locker or your cabinet, whatever, of young talent uh, stocked uh, for uh, several reasons. Of course, very important to have that uh, that cheap young talent, even if you're a good team. Uh, you got to always be planning for the future. And uh, even just having that talent means uh, you can make trade, you know, you kind of win now trades if you're a good team as well. So it's something at which the Pistons have for a long time been very bad. Uh, Stan Van Gundy, as we know, was a terrible drafter. Awful, and uh, for all of his faults as general manager and coach, or let's uh, not get into his faults as coach, but for for all he did poorly as general manager, I mean that may have been his single most damaging flaw, which is really saying something. Uh, Dumars was a dreadful drafter. Uh, you know, he hit his uh, you know a couple of um, a couple of uh, well the, the picks that were important for the championship, the Pistons one that was Tayshawn Prince and Memo Okur. Um, you know, not all star guys, decent picks. Uh, you know, we of course know that he he blew the pick in 2003, real bad, and just throughout his tenure as general manager, would just he was he was he was very very bad at drafting. So, if we even get a guy here who's capable of getting the Pistons uh, a, a good shot every year, 
of of nabbing a good guy in the draft, then fantastic because that's important. Obviously, there's more to management than that. And hopefully he can do well uh, on the trade markets and in free agency as well. So uh, I, I think it's a good hire. Again, I'm just going entirely off of, uh, of everything I've read and heard. Uh, well, heard more or less the same as read. I'm not, uh, unfortunately, don't have sources within the NBA world as much as I would like otherwise. But uh, yeah, so I'm feeling a little hopeful. And uh, I think Stefanski has done okay. Over the last couple of years, not great. Uh, I, I know you think he's been a little bit overrated in, in terms of what he's brought to the Pistons. Uh, you know, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so like you mentioned, Stefanski was brought in as an advisor and he was supposed to help us hire a GM in uh, 2018. And then two of the top um, names, uh, the two guys that I wanted, uh, Rosas and uh, Shane Battier, and even in 2020, since Rosas was already gone to the Wolves, uh, Battier was the guy that I wanted. He wasn't mentioned at all this time, but it felt like back then that these guys withdrew from consideration because it, it seemed like maybe the Pistons still didn't want to tank or they still didn't want to rebuild. It was like maybe they wanted to bring somebody in who could take the 2018 roster and make that work or try, try to spin that into something better. And I don't think that's a very desirable job for a, an, an up-and-coming GM who's like trying to establish themselves as a good player because it seems like the game is rigged against you because it's very, very hard to build something out of nothing in the NBA. And I don't think we had that much talent back then uh, in terms of like value. So what happened was Stefanski just didn't pick anybody. And for the last couple of years... Uh, he's been calling the shots essentially. And, uh, we know that 2018 or 19, we made the playoffs, got destroyed out of the playoffs by the Bucks, And then it's, it finally started to seem like maybe, uh, they're going to make some moves for the future. And then, uh, that was kind of forced by all the injuries that the Pistons had, even when they brought in Derek Rose and Markeith Morris, they finally started making moves, uh, that kind of indicated that they didn't want to uh, try to go for the eighth seed again. They let go of Markeith Morris. They let go of Reggie Jackson. They traded Andre Drummond for a couple expirings and a second rounder. And you don't make those moves if you're trying to win because ultimately they are still, if you're trying to win, they're still more valuable on the team, obviously. So the fact that they, they waited that long and maybe that's because Gores didn't want to do it. And finally, had, and Everybody was like, yeah, okay, finally now we'll start making those moves. It, 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 they hurt themselves by waiting this long because maybe when the, the season where Blake Griffin was third team All-NBA, maybe the, the, the start of last season where Andre Drummond was playing really, really well while Blake Griffin was out, maybe those are the times when you should have sold high on those guys so that you could have more assets now. And that's something that we saw OKC do. Uh, when Paul George wanted out to L.A., they didn't hold on to Westbrook. They they moved him immediately as well. And now Oklahoma City, uh, even though they overachieved in most people's opinions, they still have a lot of uh, extra first-rounders from the Clippers and from Houston, and they're in a much better position because they didn't hold on to Westbrook uh, once they realized, okay, we don't re reasonably have a chance at contending uh, now that PG is leaving. So it, it, it's unfortunate to me that they let Stefanski uh, or Gores made Stefanski hold on to these players and let their value drop further. Um, everybody talks about the 30 million in cap space, uh, this first round pick that we have. But to me, it feels like it, it would have been better if they had just made those moves uh, earlier because this 30 million in cap space, it has to go a long way. We only have eight players on the roster going into next year. Um, and five of those are rookie contracts and four of those five are shooting guards. That 30 million has to go a long way. And then we have to resign. We have to try to resign Christian Wood. So I feel like it's, it's not as great of a situation as it could have been. And maybe that's not all Stefanski's fault. Uh, maybe that's just 
it's the organization, it's Tom Gore's and the front office's fault for maybe not recognizing uh, we need to get off this off this group of guys uh, sooner. So that's 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 my feeling on that. I, I I'm happy that they're making these moves now, but they did hurt themselves by waiting this long to make these moves. Yeah, uh, I certainly agree with that. I think personally, I believe that's more a function of the influence of Tom Gores, who has really been up to this season was all about, I want to win now, we got to build a winning culture and so on and so forth. And I mean, that went extra wrong thanks to the incompetence he hired or in the case of Dumars maintained. Dumars was already doing very poorly at that point. Uh, Dumars, I'll say, she wants to do a short tangent about this. Uh, so I'm, kind of feel like Troy Weaver has the capacity to come in and be like the first real professional all around good GM. And I'm, I'm hoping this will be it that, 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 that the Pistons have had in a long time. I'm a little lower on Dumars than some people. Uh, you know, I think personally the, the best, the only, the last good all around uh, GM the Pistons had uh, was Jack McCloskey, who, uh, who resigned in 1992. He was the architect of the bad boy Pistons championship team. So uh, Dumars won a championship. As GM, you can't, absolutely can't take that away from him, but he was kind of a guy who I feel just hit some home runs, uh, great home runs, you know, and getting Rip Chauncey, trading, trading, uh, getting Grant Hill, excuse me, getting uh, Ben Wallace as part of the Grant Hill trade, and uh, then drafting Tayshon and, and trading for Rashid. Fantastic, great. He did, he did a lot of things right, but uh, kind of after he hit those home runs, uh, and even before that when he missed out on, uh, you know, three Hall of Famers, in the 2003 draft, uh, things kind of went downhill. He didn't really, after 2000, after the Rashid trade, things were downhill real fast, and he didn't really do much good after that. And uh, just the team atrophied, and then he was the worst executive in the league for the last five years. As we said before, bad drafter, uh, not particularly good at keeping uh, the team refreshed with talents. You know, even by 2005, the Pistons barely had a bench in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he made the right choice to let Ben, ben Wallace truck because because big ben went downhill pretty quick Ooh, truck let ben wallace leave rather 2006 because the just because ben really went downhill pretty quickly after that but uh so i feel like we haven't had a gm who can really it's been a long time since the business have had a gm who can kind of you know who's really able to uh draft well uh to really think on his feet uh, you know make the right decisions in real time keep making the right decisions not rest on his laurels and and just keep a team together in the long term, even if you're not going to win. I mean, great if you can win a championship. That's obviously the goal. But somebody who just does what's necessary uh, every year, and sometimes if what's necessary is rebuilding, uh, then knows when to do that. Of course, this assumes that Tom Gores is willing to let that happen. And I don't, I don't, uh, I, I think, like I wasn't happy about the Stefanski hire. And frankly, I'm, I'm kind of happy that the team will hopefully be passing out of his hands now because the man just has a very undistinguished management pedigree. Like, uh, he joined the Nets shortly after they made it to two finals in a row, presided over their decline, then went on to the 76ers. Oh, on the Nets, he botched every single one of his draft picks. Everyone. Went on to the Sixers, the pre-processed Sixers, did poorly there. Uh, drafted Evan Turner over to Marcus Cousins, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, and so on and so forth. Uh, moved on, I believe it was after that, to the Grizzlies, you know, to the Raptors for some of their bad seasons. Uh, went to the Grizzlies uh, to be VP of player personnel, I believe, during the uh, decline of the grit and grind Grizzlies and so on and so forth. So he just he hasn't done well as a manager in the NBA. Uh, in this case, I think he did... Uh, you know, B plus or who knows? Uh, see, here's the thing is that Ed Stefanski may have been the guy. Uh, finally, you know, you got a, a true professional who's been in this league for a long time, even if he hasn't done super well. He may have been the guy who, after all the injuries last year and just in the bits of the piss and doing poorly, was able to convince Tom Gores and to stand up to him and say that what we're doing right now isn't working. And we need to be steadfast. Even in like 2019, uh, when, uh, you know, during uh, the 2018-2019 season, when they decided to just dump Reggie Bullock instead of instead of just you know zeroing in on my goodness, we need to keep as much talent as we can right now, even if it's not going to work out just for the sake of this year because we want to win right now. 
the Pistons didn't have that talent to win then. Uh, and and then in this past season when things just went downhill, uh, we'll never know probably, or probably not for a while if we ever do know what Stefanski's role was in, in holding Tom Gores back because I don't think Van Gundy was willing to do that or had the fortitude to do that or, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Dumars seemed most uh, seemed really most motivated by keeping his job as uh, the uh, as the final year of his tenure particularly showed. You know, trading away a first round pick to get rid of uh, Ben Gordon so he could draft. You know, so he could sign Josh Smith and uh, trading away Chris Middleton uh, as a throw in and a trade that brought him Brandon Jennings, who to that point had not been a good point guard, and, and so on and so forth. So if Stefanski was the guy who finally convinced Tom Goris of that, then, you know, just for the sake of maybe of ending a cycle that had been just incredibly depressing for Pistons fans, I'd give him a great grade as, uh, you know, in his time as sort of interim GM. Uh, beyond that, I don't think he was particularly agile. I don't think there was any chance with Goris looking over the shoulder of trading Blake Griffin, just because Blake, uh, you know, that trade was low-hanging fruit. For, for both Tom Gores and uh, and uh, Jeff Bauer and Stan Van Gundy. Tom Gores, because great, we finally got our star. We're going to sell tickets now. We're going to be a great team, or at least a good team. And, of course, that didn't turn out to be the case. Uh, but I'm sure, uh, you know, I, I know we both remember the first game after the Blake trade, uh, the first game he played when Tom Gores was clearly very, very inebriated and very happy, <laughs> like embarrassingly inebriated on, uh, on television. And uh, it was well hanging fruit for Van Gundy and, and Jeff Bauer because they were desperate to save their jobs. So um, I think there was no real possibility of, of trading Griffin. The Pistons uh, were just, we're going to go ahead with this team that was more or less a, a considerably crappier version of the Lob City Clippers with a similar lack of depth. And uh, I don't think there was anything Ed could have done about it. As far as how he did with his own management moves, like in his first season, he had no mobility thanks to the cap binds. Van Gundy uh, had inflicted upon the Pistons. Gwen Robinson III wasn't a bad signing. He just didn't pan out. So annoyingly, he went on to do fairly well with the Warriors. He Bruce Brown looks to be a decent pick. Uh, the two first round pick, uh, second round picks, rather, he spent on Kyrie Thomas. Who knows? Uh, I think it, there's there's more to look at from uh, last year's draft. I mean, the the very sort of borderline corrupt decision he made to uh, to trade KPJ, you know, Kevin Porter Jr., 30th pick away for uh, a guy who was a client of, of the son of a Pistons executive who, who may not may, may not ever make it to uh, to the NBA was a little suspect, even if they were trying to avoid sending uh, trying to avoid another guaranteed contract yeah. and. Uh, and it's hard to say how exactly he conducted himself around the drum and trade and, and the likes of Galloway and Morris. Did he try to play hardball? Did he miss opportunities? Who knows? At this point, though, I'm willing to just say, uh, but the, the 30th overall pick, I'm a little annoyed. But beyond that, I'm willing to say, you know, uh, he, 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 you know, he got through stage zero of the rebuild, which is dumping as many, as much of your bad, you know, as much of your bad contract as you can. Or just clearing out the roster. Uh, you know, I like Jackson by the end because he developed into a team player, uh, even though he wasn't a very, very effective player anymore. I was so glad to see Drummond gone. Uh, I don't believe the reports that Tom Gores torpedoed those trades. That there were trades in place and with, that, that Van Gundy had, uh, had had put into place, and that Gores torpedoed those. The, the single source of that information was this obscure. Uh, sports writer, a small-time sports writer from a relatively small-time publication. It was not picked up at all by anybody on the national or local level. But I'm so glad that Drummond is gone, and maybe the Pistons can uh, uh, can just can just get a, a shot at, at turning over a new page here. So I don't think it's badly about Stefanski. Uh, that said, I'm happy he's uh, you know I'm happy he's not going to be the one hopefully to preside over the rebuild. So, uh, like you said, yeah, the Pistons have a certain amount of cap space now. Uh, that's less valuable than than some might think. It's probably going to be less than thirty million. Uh, like right now, I believe it stands at thirty eight million with the uh, with the cap projections. Uh, maybe a little more, uh, but the cap projection is going to go down thanks to the loss of revenue. And you're right; you got a lot of space to fill if you want to re-sign Christian Wood. That's between probably ten and fifteen million dollars, and then you've got to sign a bunch of other players. Even if you sign them in a minimum deal, as you don't have much space to work with, maybe you can absorb one bad contract. 
or uh, or trade Tony Snell's expiring deal for a bad contract. But uh, we have noted that Troy Weaver has said that the Pistons really aren't in favor of tanking, that it's going to be on a year-by-year basis. So who knows if he's willing to do that. Uh, I know I would personally just like to see the Pistons embark on a year, uh, just on a, on a two- or three-year thing, maybe just say, We'll do two years and see where we're going because that gives you a lot more ability to plan for the long term. Uh, so what did you think about what he said? Yeah, I, I'm reminded of one of the quotes from the uh, press conference that he did uh, with uh, Tom Gores and Stefanski, Arn Tellum, and uh, a few of the questions that he asked from the media guys. And the quote is, traditional rebuilds are pretty much a thing of the past. It's a two or three year rebuild and see what you have and then two or three years again. And then he goes on to say, but our philosophy is, one-year rebuild every year, try to be competitive, go to the drawing board without mortgaging the future, and try to put the best team on the floor. So that that quote has kind of stuck with me because there is there is a lot of information in there. And it's like some of it almost feels like it's contradicting it because, I mean, when we've talked about what, or me, at least me personally, when I talk about what I would like the Pistons to do, I am fully in favor of like that three to four-year uh you know, focus on development. Don't spend significant amounts of money on guys who are going to like really increase your win count. You want to bring in veterans that will help you develop your young talent, that sort of thing. Um, But he says one year rebuilds without mortgaging the future. When I heard that line, like he said, one year rebuild, my heart sank. And then he said, without mortgaging the future. And I felt a lot better because what you don't want is like, he takes our, our, our cap space and he looks and he signs like DeRozan or, uh, Fred Van Vliet in the in the off season, you know that's that's the sort of move that's going to put us right back in mediocrity, and that's exactly what you want to avoid. Uh, so, I, for a guy who whose like biggest claim to fame is his his skills in the draft, I think it's it's important that we don't try to get out of the draft like those high picks uh, and those opportunities too soon. Uh, like Gore's even said, like. It's, it's very important to hit in the draft now, especially for us as a small market. So uh, I hope that Troy Weaver um, is patient with this and he, he goes through the full cycle of a proper rebuild, whether or not that's just a quote uh, for the media so that he doesn't actually have to say, because you, you obviously can't even say that you're tanking. You'll get heavy fines for that sort of thing. But I hope that like a one-year rebuild is not his actual... Uh, plan. I hope that he focuses on development because you even look at OKC. They they drafted three straight uh, eventual MVPs and Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and then James Harden, who they did trade away uh, uh, before he, he broke out. But even with that level of talent in three years, uh, it, it took three years for them to gain that type of talent. And then they went on to draft Steven Adams and uh, I think they traded for Serge Ibaka. I think he was part of the Harden trade. It takes no, time. Uh, it was actually Stephen Adams was uh, taken with a pick uh, that was attained from the Harden trade, so he didn't That's join what until it was. later. Yes, yeah. The uh, the starting center for the Thunder during their run to the championship, uh, excuse me, to the finals, was Kendrick Perkins. There was actually some controversy over this because they could have easily had uh, Tyson Chandler. But, uh, yeah, so Harden was gone by the time Adams came in and Ibaka was a draft pick. Right. And all I'm trying to say there with this is just the biggest thing that I think the the Pistons haven't had in the last 12, 13 years now is the patience to do these things right. And I hope that Troy Weaver has that because ultimately you can't build these things in one season. You can't build this sort of thing overnight, especially since the Pistons don't have much in the way of uh, free agent draw. So. I think there are better ways for us to use our cap space and it's, it's not even a huge factor because as, as much as, as, as much cap space as we do have, uh, even after, um, the salary cap is probably lowered by all the loss of revenue issues. I don't think, uh, Weaver is going to bring in guys who are like win now guys. And I hope that he doesn't, uh, I'm interested to see like the kinds of guys he, he brings in, uh, James Edwards, the third mentioned that, uh, the new GM would get to hire the rest of his staff, and hopefully we get to see uh, more indications of the Pistons' new direction in the coming months as 
Uh, we see maybe who they draft, who they bring in with the, their cap space and their free agency money. And, uh, you know, that that's that's the most important thing to me. Uh, I hope that Troy Weaver just is patient. And uh, I, I hope that this one-year thing uh, is just a nice quote to, like, kind of calm the fans down who don't want to go through a very, very long rebuild. Yeah, I suppose we'll see. Talk is cheap, as we know. Uh, and I agree, the Pistons have to make a decision one way or another. As much as, as people would really like to see Christian Wood stay, uh, retaining him would most likely mean more wins. <clears throat> Maybe he's a guy you... Well, here's the risk. The risk is that he actually is a very good player, and then you win games, and then you're, uh, you know, he's not going to win games on his own, but you might find yourself stuck in the middle very quickly, which you want to avoid. Maybe you, you, uh, you get a good draft pick. Maybe you take... Uh, Edwards this summer, if you get first overall pick, maybe you take Killian Hayes and he turns into a pretty good point guard. And if Wood is good and if Griffin actually is pretty healthy, then you might be playing for like the, uh, t- like somewhere between the 10th and the 8th seed. And that's exactly where you don't want to be. And the Pistons at that point right. don't really have much in the way it means to get better unless Wood and Hayes and Seku continue, or whoever it is, continue to get better. And, you know, maybe that works out. Maybe Bruce Brown develops into, uh, manages to become a decent offensive player and, uh, and, and your first round pick turns out to be good, and Seku turns out to be a capable combo forward. And would I don't know, I, I don't think he's going to be an all star. Well, probably, I, I think there's there remains much to be seen given that the guy's sample size, uh, as a starter was well, sample size on big minutes was lasted all of 13 games, and the Pistons lost 12 of them. It's like, is this what is this guy? Is is, is he a really good scorer? Actually, he's a guy who puts up good stats in a bad team, who knows, but. Uh, you know, you're still sort of in the middle, and the Pistons need to make a choice. And, and we all, you know, we know. I think that one year rebuilds, unless you get lucky, like real lucky, are not likely to work. Uh, you like to see, uh, like, what I would like to see is for the Pistons to be bad next season. That might not be so easy to pull off if you take if you if you resign Wood. It's going to be more difficult. Uh, what I would like to see them do, <clears throat> excuse me. What I would like to see them do, trade away Rose wherever you can find. Uh, I know they like him as a veteran leader, but the guy just gobbles usage, and that's that's really not ideal. Uh, if you're trying to get to young players, maximum uh, you know maximum time, their maximum usage, just maximum opportunity for development. Like to see them trade away Canard. There's no reason for him to be on this team anymore if they're not competing soon. Uh, signing him to another contract, just I mean, he's still a fairly good, fairly you know pretty good player, maybe number three option on an effective team. Uh, if uh, if you know if he keeps developing. But the Pistons just have no use for him right now. Also, you know, there's the question of his injuries. Do you really want to assign him to a uh, an eight figure a year contract? I mean, I, I know you think he could get 15 million. I think the guy probably at this point top off at 10 or 11 if he has, a, you know, that's if he really has a breakout season, or unless he has a super breakout season, rather. Uh, I, I think it's limitations in terms of athleticism and and uh, and uh, just anthropometrics, like wingspan, for example. Yeah. So uh, I think you want to move him at the draft for whatever you can get from the Suns or otherwise. You know, if you can get another first-round pick in this year's draft, or better yet, a first-round pick in next year's draft. You know, even if it might just fall, you know, even if it's uh, even, you know, take it this year, like top 10 protected this year, and then, uh, you know, less protected next year. So I think you want to get rid of him. Uh, I mean, uh, other guys on the roster, I think the only guys on the roster you really want to keep, I mean, if you can trade Griffin for a bad contract, you do that in a second because he's, he, uh, you know, he's talked about, okay, I'll be here, you know, half-heartedly, I'll be here through the rebuild if that's what they need. I don't think he wants to be here. I don't think the Pistons want him to be around. Another usage-eating player who might help you win and takes up uh, a ton of cap space. Like, I think the Pistons really need to be aiming not to win next year. Winning, if you're rebuilding, does not pay at all. Uh, because the draft is so important. So if you're looking at the guys I think want to be on the team, I don't think you should keep Galloway. He's a pro's pro, but he's also a usage eater. Uh, you know, you you want to focus on Seku, uh, Bruce Brown, if you can. You want to keep Svee because he's you know he's a role player who can be useful if you keep him in the long term, and he's not really gonna he's not really gonna boost you. Uh, it's just. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, we go through go through the roster uh, and, and whom we'd like to see signed and whom we'd like to see capped at a future date. But I think it just really 
would behoove the Pistons to be bad next season. I mean, you don't want to be in the middle, even if the middle is getting like the 10th pick. That's not somewhere you want to be. So it's yeah. just a tough situation right now because you still have Griffin on the roster. And if he's yeah. if he does fairly well, not only is he going to help win games, but you also have to play around him. And you don't want to play around him. It's not it, You can't run a modern offense with Griffin on the floor. You have to just feed him constantly. So, uh, and, and basically he just, he just assumes gravity. And, uh, so in, in any event, it, I think the Pistons remain in, in a slightly tough place and they still have the capacity to end up in the middle. I don't think that they will sign free agents in the summer with the, with the possibility of winning or with the, with the aim of winning. Yeah. And that, that does remind me of another quote. I, there was a interview that Weaver did with uh, 97.1 and one of the quotes from that was, we want to be competitive every season. Uh, we want to put a team out there that everybody can feel comfortable with. And then he goes on to say, I don't believe in tanking. I believe in trying to be competitive and use everything we have in our tool belt to put a productive team on the floor. I think a lot of teams feel a rebuild is be bad for three or four years, get high picks and try to figure it out. That's not the formula we're going to use here in Detroit. Uh, yeah, so- that, that sucks. Uh, that's not good to hear. <laughs> That's yeah, but I, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think he's saying that we're going to try to compete. Uh, I, I know that's exactly what he just said, but I don't think that means he's going to like use our cap space and like try to put it the the most amount of good players out there. I think what he's trying to say there is we're not going to do like process level Sixers where they put out the worst possible team on the floor. I think it's just like a way of saying we're going to uh, bring in the guys who we think are going to try hard every night. Cause that was something that he even mentioned uh, during the press conference. He said that he wants to draft guys. Uh, one of the quotes was we draft people, not players. He, he really uh, likes guys who, who just work really hard. So he doesn't want those guys who are kind of apathetic. And that's, that's a great philosophy in my opinion. I, I hadn't even considered that, you know, when I look at the guys that I want, I'm thinking more about, you know, which players fit well together, who can you just plug into any team, who's fit dependent. But one of the reasons they mentioned that they were so high on Russell Westbrook is because they felt like he was such a hard worker, and obviously he was. And even if he wasn't the most efficient player, the best shooter, uh, he's still an MVP and uh, a very, very good player with a third or fourth pick. So to to speak to your other points about guys like like who we're going to bring back. I, I, I think we do want to keep Derek Rose around for another season, uh, especially depending on who we get in the draft. If it's a guy like Cole Anthony, like we, if we drop a little bit, uh, I think that Cole could learn a lot from uh, Derek Rose about like getting to the rim. And I, I do trust that Casey, um, even if it seems like uh, the rookies aren't going to get a lot of playing time. I think I do trust Casey when it comes to distributing minutes to the young guys because it seemed like it did work uh, with Christian Wood where he held him back at first. He had defensive issues, and he slowly gave him more and more. And I, I it's, it's hard to argue with the result because Christian took such a incredible leap this year. Uh, as far as Galloway, um, I think they do bring him back just because you need. I I I do like stability, uh, especially when. You know, you need to you need to fill out the roster somehow. And Galloway, is, he, he did shoot a lot better this year. And I think that uh, it's good that the front office and uh, whoever is making these decisions sees the value in people who can shoot. So maybe even, even if Galloway helps us win a few more games uh, with the shooting, I think it's important uh, that whoever whoever we do draft, they have shooters on the perimeter because that's going to help. Uh, so much because whoever we do draft, whether even if we do get a top pick and we get a guy like Killian Hayes, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, uh, all three of those guys, it's so much better for them and their development, I, in my opinion, if they have shooters on the perimeter. So I think they bring back Galloway. I agree with you. I do think they should move Kennard ideally before uh, they start having to talk about his extensions because, I mean, once they do that, his value is probably going to take a significant hit in terms of trade value. And then as far as Griffin goes, yeah, if you can move him, move him. But if, if they get to like the end of his contract, maybe just keep him for the expiring, honestly. Uh, I, I've, I've accepted that he's most likely going to finish out his contract here uh, just because it's such a huge contract. And I, I don't know if his uh, 
if his health is going to hold up well enough for him to, you know, come back and put up good numbers again and maybe increase his trade value to the point where maybe a contender is like, oh, we can replace our even older power forward or or our worse power forward with a guy like Blake Griffin, who, yeah, he still is a very good player, but the value of his contract is is questionable. So those are my thoughts. I I, I hope that Troy Weaver um, continues to make those uh, to to look at what they did in OKC and uh, because there was a lot of personnel decisions like the Paul George and Westbrook trades where they didn't wait for those values to drop any further. They they saw where these those players were trending and their values and they said, okay, it's time to move on. There is that. Uh, when it comes to Galloway, uh, as far as everything that's been said, uh, particularly from James Edwards, I think uh, Rod Beard as well. The reason they want to keep him around is because he's a pro's pro, that he's just an extremely professional player, uh, and he's just very well-liked. Uh, I don't think it's for a shooting. Uh, it's something you got to consider if the Pistons uh, do end up drafting first and they pull the trigger on Anthony Edwards, and I think that that's, he's probably their likeliest pick, number one, or even if he's still available, number two or number three. Uh, you've got way too many shooting guards on the team. Galloway's not going to get any minutes. Something I don't like about Casey is that he is he does play favorites, and he is preferential toward veterans. So if Blake Griffin's on the floor, if Lanson Galloway's on the roster, Galloway will get minutes, even if he shouldn't. Uh, you know, I'm fairly confident of that. Blake Griffin will get all due deference, even if it's not good for the team. I'd like to see Kyrie Thomas get a shot, you know, get yeah. a chance. Uh, and you know, even if it's not great, you just want to see whatever talent you have on the floor, whatever talent you have in the team. You just like to see that that talent get a chance. And so the Pistons are just just stupidly deep at shooting guard, even though it's not a very powerful position for them. Like getting Spee is still more ideal as a shooting guard. Uh, Kyrie Thomas is, is is basically only play shooting guard. Bruce Brown, people say, oh, maybe he'd be he'd be backup point guard in the future. Well, Bruce Brown is still far off from being an effective backup point guard. He's got decent court vision, though he's extremely tip, turnover prone. Uh, guys sag off of him because even last season he still shot less than twenty five percent from the break, from above the break rather. Uh, you know his, his improvement in corner shooting was good, even though he did it a really low volume. But uh, you know if he gets the ball anywhere else. Uh, or doesn't have an eternity to shoot the ball. I mean, he's he's not going to shoot well from three, and he still sucks at getting into the basket. It's just strange for me that such an athletic player cannot play above the basket. So he's still ideal at shooting guard. I just like to see Galloway gone for that reason. Also, I've just never been a, I've never been a very big fan of him. So, but I mean, Blake Griffin. Yeah, it's just it's it's a bad. It's a damned if you do and damned if you don't for the Pistons. If he plays well, you got to again. If he's healthy, you got to play around him. Pistons will probably win more games. They don't want to win. And he just is a usage eater to, uh, again, you just you absolutely have to play around him if he's on the floor. Uh, he's, he's just not a player you can kick uh, off the ball and say, okay, we'll just make you, you know, he's, he's, not, a modern for, he's not a modern forward. In fact, it, if he were able to play center, that would now be his ideal position. So uh, if he's injured and he just can't stay healthy or he's really bad, you can't really trade him. If he plays well, then maybe you trade him at the end of the season. But uh, then the Pistons probably win more games. And again, you've seen some usage sucked away from your developing players. Mm-hmm. So there, I think you're just in a, in a bad, in a bad situation. So the Pistons are in a precarious place. I'm curious to see what happens. What I think will happen this, or what I hope will happen this off season, uh, you move Kennard, uh, you get, you know, if you can get rid of Griffin, that, that would take a miracle, but you do it if you can do it. Uh, I'm kind of mum on Christian Wood. I, they're kind of ambivalent on Christian Wood. Again, I think he's really exciting to watch. Uh, he might be gone just because he wants to win, though I don't think he's likely to get a payday from a team that's actually good. Uh, most of them don't have any cap space. The only teams uh, who can really give him a good payday are, are not really in playoff contention, and he might just recognize that he'll get the best contract and probably the most usage uh, with the Pistons. But if he's here, again, better shot at winning. But what I'd like to see them do is, is fill their open slots on the roster with, uh, with guys uh, who have talent but just haven't been able to get it together. Because that's what you really want to do in a rebuild. Take guys uh, to, to have that talent, sign them to cheap multi-year deals, maybe non-guaranteed for the last year. And then you uh, see if you can develop them. And then maybe by the end of the rebuild, they're useful players on cheap contracts. So that's where I'd really like to see them. Uh, that, that's, I'd like to see them use as many roster spots as they can on that and just beyond that, focus on the, the talent the Pistons have available. Because at this point, the Pistons don't really have much young talent. Thanks to... 
thanks to the West, uh, thanks to Stan Van Gundy, who left the Pistons very short on trade assets of any kind, including young talent. There is, I mean, I could go on and on about him. It's like Stanley Johnson, like, <laughs> you know, we need a shooter. We need a guy who can shoot. So we'll take the, the one guy, uh, you know, take the guy whose primary question mark is his shooting and his scoring. I mean, he is, he was never better except for like a short stretch uh, at the beginning of the 2017, 2018 season where he got a shot at his chance as a starter and was actually decent off the ball. He's a terrible scorer. I mean, his, his efficiency was awful in his rookie year, worse in his uh, sophomore year. It was bad in his, uh, and, um, you know, bad in his third year and uh, and then pretty bad in his fourth year. But for that short stint in which he did decent on the bench, uh, decent off the bench, rather. Um, again, that's, that's another period in which he did fairly well before he just fell off. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's another yeah, thing. That, yeah. That's yeah. another thing that I hope that Troy Weaver recognizes is, is like when I, I don't, I know we don't want to talk too much about like our individual draft picks and like our player rankings right now, but like as far as our philosophy, we talked a little bit about what Troy Weaver said where he wants like the hardest workers and, uh, and that's great. Uh, what do you hope for uh, out of in terms of like team building? Because that was obviously one of, uh, Stan Van Gundy's biggest issues. I mean, the, the lineup of what Greg Monroe, Andre Drummond, and Josh Smith. And that's well, you know, he inherited that actually. He never tried to play oh, the three of them together. Yeah, I mean, uh, just stuff yeah. like, but stuff like that. Like the Pistons were always like in those last few years, they were always like shooting so poorly, and the league is obviously trended towards shooting. So that's something that's very important to me. And even though I, I personally have Anthony Edwards number one. Uh, I, I don't, I'm just curious, like, what, what are you hoping for in terms of like the team's identity in the future and the, the team that Troy Weaver builds? I mean, you have to build, in order to succeed in today's NBA, you have to be an effective offensive team. Mm-hmm. That, that's why, uh, I mean, I, I'd like to, <laughs> one thing, this just comes to mind. I'd, I'd like to see the Pistons done with traditional centers, period. I mean, unless it's like a cheap backup, uh, because it's like, it was just so nice having, uh, having a center in Christian Wood who could stretch the floor and the Pistons could finally run a, a modern offense. Drummond was an awful offensive player. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just perennially terrible efficiency for a traditional center. They'd also just stupid decisions. And he was a guy who should have been playing like Steven Adams, but wanted to be Nikola Jokic. <laughs> like, uh, I still think it's funny. Like last year, I mean, he just announced he's picking up his player option. Real enthusiastic. He's like, yeah, I'd have trouble finding that elsewhere. So, yeah, I'm going to be in Cleveland. It's like, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's great to see that you're so dedicated to your new team. Again, completely unsurprising. But last summer when he was talking, and this is, again, funny also in the light of uh, his rant after, after the trade that there's no friendship or loyalty, uh, you know, which, of course, I think was primarily because he was traded to Cleveland. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't think he really would have cared if he was traded. I think he would have been, you know, just fine if you were traded to a better team. But earlier, the, you know, in the offseason, at the end of the summer, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be opting out. I'll be one of the few big fish. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but few big fish on the free agent market. Uh, you know, I've spent my time this summer adding a three-point shot to work on ball handling. I can bring the ball up the floor. It's like, dude, with Detroit, you shot less than 5% from three-point range, and you led the league in turnovers for center. So, uh, so uh, the yeah. uh, but the players, I, I mean, I think you just have to be able to run a modern offense. You have to have their shooters. And, yeah, Van Gundy's Pistons ranked bottom five in true shooting percentage every year that he was the coach, all four years. And they were the only team in the NBA who had that, uh, that very dubious distinction. Uh, the guy did not understand uh, the how to build a team that could run a modern offense. He did not know how to coach a team that could run a modern offense. So you need to have those shooters. Uh, you need basically to be able to, to run the, uh, the sort of uh, fast-moving, high-paced, uh, somewhat positionless style of the modern NBA. Also, maybe this is just colored by uh, you know having to watch Andre Drummond play all these years with his extremely capricious work ethic and, and terrible attitude. But... Um, he, uh, I mean, I want hardworking players. It's one of the reasons I'm kind of mom and little ball. He's got all those, I know we're not, you know, we don't want to get into this. He's just got all these holes in his game. I don't know if he has the work ethic to, uh, to really, uh, to really change those. Also, I don't think he has any, any leadership potential. So Anthony Edwards says question marks about his level of engagement. I just think he has too much talent to pass him up, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I want a hardworking team that can run a modern offense as much as you, as much as defense has always been so identified with the with the ethos of the Pistons, it's just you can't win on defense anymore. It's not possible. I mean, you can be a, you can you can uh, go further by. Uh, I mean, it's good if you have a good defense, absolutely. But offense is 
unequivocally more important. I mean, the NBA has seen to that. Uh, even, you know, even, I mean, part of it is just the way the NBA has developed into a three-point shooting league, very fast three-point shooting league. But part of it, the NBA even took it a step further and changed the rules for freedom of motion, which made offenses even more potent. So you have to build a good offensive team. Defense does not win championships anymore. Defense can help you win a championship if you also have a really good offense. But no, defense doesn't win championships. Offense wins championships. You can't have an awful defense. But if you have to pick between having the best defense in the league and an average offense versus the best offense in the league and average defense, uh, you know, you obviously go with the best offense. It's just how it is. So your first and foremost thing is you've got to have a team that can run that modern offense. And it, it was, you know, it was more enjoyable for me. It was just so enjoyable for me, even if the Pistons were awful to see them put, uh, you know, feel the lineup that could run that modern offense, <clears throat> even if it still wasn't ideal. Uh, like you want to avoid guys as much as Derek Rose is a hard worker and a professional. You want to avoid guys who can't play off the ball. That's one thing. Uh, you know, you just, unless they're awesome, I mean, there's just there aren't very many very many premier guards or wings these days who you know can't play off the ball because you just it, it limits your options so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Griffin, unfortunately, is another one of those guys. He improved his three point shooting, but he's still a bad catch and shoot guy. So, right. yeah, I mean, this it's just it's so hard to know the exact direction uh, into which we were going to go, and for, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait like five months. months. Yeah, yeah, oh, like yeah, four. October. Yep. Yeah, four months until the draft and free agency is in November. So we got yeah. nearly four months to see what he's going to do at all. And then in free agency, we got to wait until until November. Yeah. So it's just real hard to say. I'm more hopeful now. Uh, but unfortunately, you still never know how much influence Gores is going to wield. Your best owners are the guys who hire competent personnel and step out of the way. Rarely does meddling from owners lead to anything good. Uh, I don't know... Uh, you know how much we've we've talked about this in the past, but Mark Cuban is pretty much the only owner. I, I just don't remember. I, I, I don't think we've we've gotten into this in the past beyond decrying the you know beyond harshly criticizing the owners who involve themselves too much. Mm-hmm. But like uh, you've got six owners in the league who are really super meddlesome. Glenn Sarver for the Suns, they have been bad for a long time. Uh, Michael Jordan for the Hornets, they have been bad. Uh, Vivek Ranadai for the Kings, they have been awful. Uh, Jim, Jim Dolan for the, for the Knicks, that kind of goes without saying he's been a disaster. They've been a terrible team. Uh, Tom Gores for the Pistons. Again, the Pistons almost bumbled their way into decent teams, but uh, the guys he employed, uh, I mean, this particular Stan Van Gundy saw to it that, uh, that, that didn't, that, that the win now approach, which was bad in the first place, that was at, you know, just had absolutely terrible results. Number six is Mark Cuban. And uh, he's had some. He's had some good impact. He's certainly very loyal to the team. He shows up for every game, and uh, you know, and, and he's had his impact. He's also made some big mistakes and overruled his general managers. Uh, Donnie Nelson, who's the who's the the long time, I believe, is still the GM of uh, the Mavericks. Uh, he said in what I believe was 2014, he said Giannis Antetokounmpo is the next big thing. This guy is going to be incredible. We have to draft him. And Mark Cuban said, I want Dwight, Dwight Howard, and I want some extra space, some extra money to offer him, so I want you to trade down in the draft to get us that extra space. And Donnie Nelson said, no, we've we got to draft this guy. You know, he's uh, he's going to be great. And Mark Cuban said, no. And, uh, you know, they missed out and arguably the best player in the league. So if Tom Gores continues to, to uh, you know, interpose himself between uh, between the general manager and his ability to make free to make freely make decisions, then Troy Weaver you know, maybe operating with the disadvantage from the beginning. That said, I don't know if he would have taken this job uh, without being offered a fairly free hand, uh, or maybe he was just offered a ton of money. <laughs> so it's so hard to say, and we are going to need to wait uh, to see it. So yeah, we're reaching uh, close to 50 minutes here. You got any, any final thoughts before we close up? Yeah, I just, I mean, I just wanted to add that uh, for all the, all the negativity uh, that we've talked about with a lot of these guys, uh, I am happy that they did trade Andre Drummond, especially now that he's opted back into into Cleveland. Uh, that was a great move. Uh, it, I'm sure it played a huge part in uh, opening up the space that we now have for, so that a guy like Troy Weaver looks at our our job offering and he sees some flexibility, and that's probably very valuable for him. And uh, for, for Tom Gores, I, I just I'm. I'm happy that he's come around and he seems to care enough about winning that he's willing to, you know, kind of 
roll back the stuff that he said about never wanting to tango and never wanting to uh, not try our hardest. Uh, and, I, and I appreciate the fact that he does seem to care very much about the team and the community and that he seems to uh, really care about uh, the Pistons being a big part of the community and that he seems to be willing to pay for whatever the team needs. So uh, I am optimistic or more optimistic than I have been in a long time. And uh, I'm very excited to see what Troy Weaver can do. Yeah, I think there is reason for optimism for the first time in a while. Uh, of course, that's relative. You know, there's been there's been not much reason for optimism for for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, do with, do agree with you on Tom Gores for always for always very damaging meddling. Uh, he uh, he's always been very willing to spend on the team, also for you know some of his quite disreputable business practices. But you know, that's neither here nor there in discussion of basketball. Though you know, it's always something worth. Uh, worth noting. I'm not saying they're not important by any means. So, uh, but in, in, in purely basketball terms, he is perfectly willing to, to spend another luxury tax. Uh, he's, he's always been willing to spend another luxury tax for, for a good team. You have owners like, uh, like Fertitta for the Rockets and they have a not so long window. And he's just says, I want you guys out of the tax. I just want you guys out of the tax. Sorry. Uh, so that, I mean, that's a big impediment, but uh, again, yet, I mean, Goris came around eventually. Who knows how much of that was Stefanski's influence? Who knows how much of that was him saying, we finally got our star and it just didn't work out at all. Uh, and, yeah, and he did come out and say, yeah, our goal was really, well, he went from like the future is a little bit about now, uh, not not so long before. I'm not sure if that was uh, the, the prior season or, or just earlier in this season. But either way, he came out and said, you know, it's not our goal to just compete for the seventh or the eighth seed every year. So maybe he just realized it wasn't working. And uh, that's encouraging. Whereas, like I said, encouragement and optimism with the Pistons are, are very relative. There has been um, – I'm not going to feel entirely sold until we see what Troy Weaver does, not only in October and November, but uh, the year after that as well. Because in West, the Pistons are very lucky. A one-year rebuild is just very unlikely. To, I think it is not likely to, to put the Pistons in a position to which they can develop into a potential uh, candidate for a championship. But I think the primary, you know, the, the primary variable is going to be Tom Gores and his willingness to be much more patient than he has been in the past. So uh, I think with that, uh, we will end today's episode. Uh, we will be trying to record uh, a little bit more frequently. Unfortunately, there's not a great deal to talk about. We definitely have a, a draft episode planned in the future, you know, planned in the near future. Uh, even though we're not going to know the results of the draft lottery until October, uh, which is which is pretty painful. And uh, we're planning on uh, a mailbag episode. So those of you who are on Reddit, you'll see a, a thread posted there pretty soon, just asking for your input. And uh, whatever the case, want to thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.